Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, your one-stop shop for WWE, AEW, wrestling talk and all sorts of other nonsense at a time when the business is as hot as it's ever been. We are on the road to World's End for AEW, the Royal Rumble and Raw Night 1 for WWE, or Raw Day 1, I should say. And as soon as day follows night, we have Charlie Beckett, professional rugby player here, along with myself, Jack Murley, professional broadcaster. How are you, Mr. Beckett? Very well, thank you, Mr. Murley. Very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. This is going to be our penultimate one before Christmas. We're going to do a wrap-up of the wrestling year next week, and then we're going to take some time off for Jan- uh, till January. It's a dangerous time to take time off for wrestling, though, because so much is going on. We'll miss the Miracle on 34th Street fight <laughs> that gets rolled out every single year. Was it was it one of those nights when I think the worst one was when uh, Alberto Del Rio ran over Father Christmas? Do you remember that? Yeah. Here we go. Take your bets. Who on next week's SmackDown on the twenty second of December? Yeah, because Christmas is the twenty fifth. Is there a roar on Christmas Day? Is there a roar on Christmas Day? Surely not. Surely they wouldn't if be. There is. It'd be pre recorded. So who is having the Minicron Thirty Fourth Street fight on Raw or SmackDown? Who's having it? Brawling brutes. I think have okay. have got yeah. to be in there somewhere. Alpha Academy have got to be in there somewhere, yeah. and R Truth's got to get involved in some way or the other. Yeah, R Truth was the obvious one for me that he'll be involved somehow. Yeah, who have I missed? I don't think there's anyone. I mean, I just love those Christmas episodes. The best one was when they brought back Trish. Do you remember all those years back? Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Anything with Trish on helps, though. Let's be honest. On something we agree. Right, let's get into it. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on the socials. I'm Jack underscore Merley. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen. Thanks to each and every one of you who joins us each and every week. And let's get into it with WWE and the self-proclaimed best in the world. Any concerns that CM Punk may have lost some of his bites were allayed this week as the self-proclaimed best in the world threw his hat in the ring with a late contender for promo of the year on SmackDown. Then on Raw, Punk signed with the Red Brand, had his first interaction with Seth Rollins and officially entered himself for the Royal Rumble match. CM Punk has been a busy boy. Let's get back to SmackDown where the old Punk was back. Yeah, and amazingly, I'm a big fan of Marvel Comics, you'll notice about me, and uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I listen to a podcast every week, a brilliant podcast called Phase Zero by comicbook.com. There's a man on that called Aaron Perrine, brilliant, brilliant comic journalist, who when trailers come out or when rumours come out, he's all, people have like opinions like, oh, it's going to be awful. He has a real big say, he just says, just wait and see. Why don't you just wait and see? And Punk's first promo, everyone was like, oh my God, he's awful. What, this PG Punk's be terrible. And I was just thinking of Aaron Perrine. Just wait and see. Because two promos later, and he's very quickly the hottest thing in the wrestling world again, isn't he? That SmackDown promo was just brilliant. He just did everything we want him to do. Called out everyone we want to call out. Reference everything we wanted him to reference. Even the things he's probably not allowed to reference, but he found a legal way to do it with his AEW stuff. And then you back that up with him signed to I don't think any of us are shocked he signed to Raw. It's the flagship brand. He was always going to be on Raw. And then my I managed to go into watching that without any spoilers. So when Seth Rollins' music hit, I was like, oh, right, we're not messing about. We're getting straight to this. It was such a good promo on SmackDown, such a good promo. Punk was like one of those athletes who you probably played with in the day where, and maybe you are this athlete, where someone's keeping up with you and you think, do you know what? I think I think I've got the measure of them, and then they just put pedal to the metal, and off they go into the horizon. Anyone who thought CM Punk had lost a step, he went out and SmackDown and just went 
right, let me show you. Couple of interesting things for me to pick out of it. There was a reference or two to AEW and the, the alleged punching of people backstage or not. Clearly, he was alluding to that. That got zero reaction. The WWE crowd did not react to that in any way, shape or form. I don't think they care that much. Like, I don't think anyone really cares why Punk's back. They're still over the mood he is. And like, it's mad, isn't it? And you can look at any picture at any time, but the difference in Punk's appearance of the man who left AEW and the man who's back in WWE, he looks about 10 years younger. Like, he looked, he looked, he didn't realize at the time, he looked so stressed, so tired. And I think it seems like, for me, from from the out, from very much the outside looking, it seems like Punk very much lost his love, not just for WWE, but for wrestling in general when he left 10 years ago. And then through AEW, he's come back to wrestling and he's very much found his love for wrestling again. But I think through finding his love, I think maybe he realised that there's nowhere to do it that is as good as WWE, especially the way things are now. And he's seems like he's mended his bridges. And like, you see, like, he was obviously at uh, TakeOver, not TakeOver, I keep calling it TakeOver. There'll always be TakeOvers to you. He was at NXT Deadline the weekend, which I don't think we're going to talk much about, but was brilliant, by the way. It was very, very good show and worth watching. He was there, had his little promo saying, then you hear like, he was backstage at NXT this week just because he wanted to be and wanted to give advice to these these younger wrestlers. Like, it seems like, and it's, caveat, it's been two weeks. Like, anyone can have a honeymoon period for two weeks, but it does seem that this is a different punk at the moment that is back and wants to be here and wants to mend the mistakes he's made in the past. But also, it's only been two weeks and I can't quite find the word to describe how it feels like he's never been away it just feels so natural. CM Punk, like, we're skipping past the fact that three weeks ago we were sitting here going, is he is he coming out of Survivor Series? You're going, yeah, I'm going, no. Best kept secret in wrestling. And now we're just going, yeah, oh, it's so good. He's so back. He hasn't missed a step. He's in WWE. It's weird. The novelty's still there. And yet it's, it is like he's home. Yeah, it seems like he's never been away, like he said, and it's very, he seems very at ease there. Like, it makes sense. I'll tell you what made me realise how long he's been away then. Did you see the backstage segment with Kofi Kingston where he said, ah, you're making me crazy. And he's like, I don't do that anymore. Punk has been gone longer than the New Day have been a thing. He has never been in WWE and the New Day are there. Like, and you think of the New Day, you think of them as veterans. That they've been around forever together. That is, that, that moment was like, oh my God, he has been gone that long. I loved how they threaded all those Punk appearances through SmackDown as well. Um, before we get onto that, can we talk about the biggest reaction in this promo wasn't to the tease of Seth and Punk, although that may have changed after Monday. It was clearly for the Punk-Roman tease. He was my wise man before he was yours. I mean, the crowd there were ready for Punk to give Roman just a bit of needle. Yeah, there is so, so, so much to do with that story, isn't there? Of Roman and Punk are two of the biggest stars in the wrestling world period Roman is now going down the line of becoming like the rock which punk had so many issues with in the past I'm sure they will delve into that and there's the Heyman of it all and we talked about with Brock Lesnar and him being in the middle of Lesnar and um being in the middle of Lesnar and Roman but as punk alluded to he's the original Paul Heyman guy like there was only one originally is CM Punk he was his wise man first and the mind games that could be played by CM Punk with Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns I think is is just sensational. But I think if I was WWE, 
I think that's the first thing I'd go to after Roman lost the title, whenever that is, because that is huge and does not need the title. How do you keep Roman huge and relevant after he loses this monumental title, which he will at some point? You put him straight with Punk. It's the biggest thing you can do that you didn't think you were going to be able to do. But if you're Cody Rhodes, don't you feel your insides turn a little bit when you hear that oh, reaction? You're nervous. you're nervous. You're like, oh, not again. Well, Sami Zayn, this time last year, was still in the bloodline, which is bonkers. There was that whole, is it Cody or is it Sammy? Now, this is a different, better Cody Rhodes than the Cody Rhodes we saw last year going into WrestleMania. But I think Cody should be nervous. I think what we saw, though, on Smack on Raw was them setting the table. It is going to be Seth Rollins, however we get there. Best Seth Rollins promo I think we've seen in a little while, possibly since the Finn Balor backstage promo sit-down that we loved earlier this year, because he took away a lot of that jokery, you know, fake laugh, dancing around. It felt more real. Serious Seth is the best Seth. Like, and also, it kind of gives credence to his opponent. It feels like Seth can joke and laugh and have, have a mess about until he's facing with an opponent that he really feels is too good for him to do that. And, I mean, we say this is serious. He was still wearing a pink sequin suit. Let's not get away from that. It was bonkers. Wouldn't you wear that if you could? Are you saying I can't? I've never seen you in one, but I assume you could. I can't, right? Well, we'll have a conversation about we'll have a conversation about that off air. Okay. Um, Which one's a gay one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good point. Very good point. Um, but no, it was a brilliant promo. Serious Seth dealing with Punk as the threat is, and the one saving grace I'd say for Cody Rhodes is that crowd was on fire. They stood there for 90 seconds and didn't say a word, and the crowd were erupting. Yet it was pretty split down the middle of CM Punk chants and chanting Seth Rollins' music. Like it was a legend. I love that Seth tore him down for about five minutes, saying that you need to. And then I just loved that Punk went, Are you done? And then just came back, and I was like, Oh, yeah, this is going to be good. And I think. Hong is making no bones about it. He's going in the Rumble to win it. And main, like he said, it's about down. He wants the main event of WrestleMania. But that's a very, very real issue he had when he left. He was never the main event of WrestleMania when he was the biggest thing in the company. Seth Rollins, CM Punk is your main event of WrestleMania night one. For me, it's that it's that easy, lad. Yeah. I, I don't have any issue saying that. The two biggest matches you can put on this year, I truly believe, are, I said this last week, Seth Punk, Roman Cody. And they are two of the biggest main events WWE has ever seen at WrestleMania. And we've not even started putting the gas on the Cody Rhodes Roman Reigns story. Like the focus quite rightly is on Punk and now looks like Rollins. And that's going to have a great bit of story by the time we get there. But imagine what WWE can do with their video packages, their promos for, for Cody, because it's got to be Cody against Roman. If, if you've taken Punk out of the equation, that's the only answer. I can't remember a time when we've had two such electric matches on a WrestleMania, forget when we had, you know, two nights of WrestleMania. I'm talking WrestleMania ever. When have we ever had two yeah. matches that feel this big? And I think it always feels like there's one, when there's two world titles in WWE, which there hasn't been for a while, but when there used to be, it always felt like there was one main, main event and there was another title match. There was one main title match. I don't think there's been two title matches that would both seem as big a deal as each other as these two since WrestleMania 21 where Batista beat Triple H and Cena beat JBL. They both felt massive. They felt like massive because they were changing of the guard. That was the new era is here. These are our new guys. That's why they were massive. These two matches 
Neither of them is bigger than the other, and they're both as big as they can get, I think. They really are. Can we talk about what, one phrase, three words, I hate you? Seth yeah, Rollins. That was, that was something. When did we last hear in wrestling, in WWE, I hate you? I mean, I know that Vince has had a thing against it from what you read, but we hear, I'm going to tear you apart, I'm going to break you down, I'm going to I'm going to get my revenge. It actually stood out to me, I hate you, for, for how much that conveyed, because of how rare it is. Yeah, and the word hate gets thrown around very easy, doesn't it? I hate this, I hate that. But when someone with real sincerity and venom and very calmly, not in a shouting match, looks someone in the eye and tells them they hate them, that's a big statement. Like, honestly, go away, listeners, go have a think of generally how many people in your life you, you know who you actually hate. Not who you dislike, not who annoy you, who you actually hate. I promise you'll be a very, very small number. And the amazing thing with this feud is, I don't even know if that's not true. Seth Rollins might genuinely believe that. I I think, and what do I know? Because wrestling, the, the line is so blurred at the moment. I think he believed it at one point. I, th- I think even if he didn't believe it on a visceral level, he would work himself up to believe it. And now to get to say that to Punk... I mean, just surreal, just surreal. But it added so much to that feud. I mean, that soundbite is going to be played again and again and again all the way through to WrestleMania. Yeah, and I think in a world that is as eccentric as wrestling, as eccentric as WWE, just ground it like that with such a grounded, visceral, like, a statement full of animosity, it cuts through the course. Sometimes simple is the best way to go. And simply telling someone you hate them you can't convey that any better way than just saying, I hate you. I want to talk about the image we saw backstage on SmackDown of Cody Rhodes and CM Punk, where Cody comes in and says to CM Punk, you have to finish your story. That's interesting to me. Good luck. Now, that's interesting in a storyline point of view. But when I saw that image, all I could think is how the hell has AEW allowed this to happen? This isn't AEW bashing, but just from a matter of how the hell have we allowed this to happen, the biggest WrestleMania ever is going to be main evented by two of the biggest matches ever. It's going to draw the most money ever. And two years ago, both those guys under contract to us. How's it happened? Yeah, it's fascinating. The punk of it all is almost more understandable because it was such a visceral and public and emotional fallout. We've never really thoroughly discussed the Cody Rhodes of it all because there is a great book to be sold or documentary to be recorded when all is done of why he left the company he built. Like, what actually happened there? We've never really dug into that, have we, of why the hell did he leave AEW when he built it to go against WWE when he'd it hadn't worked in WWE. He put everything into this thing he had with his mates and then he chose to leave and come back. And it can't just be because where Dusty performed. It can't be that. There's got to be more. So it's fascinating. So the punk of it all, like I said, is more obviously understandable because he punched the boss, uh, allegedly always scared the boss. Like, mm, you're going to get fired most places when you do that. There aren't many places you get away with that. Can I, can I just throw into the mix here, though? Shawn Michaels, at his most Shawn Michaels... Say John Cena was a different person backstage and John Cena and Vince McMahon had a massive blow-up. I'm not convinced they don't keep him around. 
And I wonder whether this is Tony Khan not knowing the wrestling. Like, it's that thing we spoke about initially with Punk. If you're a star, you're a star, right? Like, and stars do get more leeway. They do get special treatment. And I just wonder if, I don't know, man. It is fascinating. It is. And I cannot wait till we get more inside knowledge and all when it all comes out. But I think the best thing to do is just focus on what we're getting the wrestling. And we are getting, for whatever reason, two, it looks like we're going to get two world title main events. I hope they don't do anything convoluted with it. I hope they don't try and make it too clever. Just give us these two. These are what we want. I think I'd have Punk win the Rumble, and I think I'd just do, like they used to back in the day, winner of the Elimination Chamber, because they always used to come here as well. It's a good place to have the Elimination Chamber pay for you, I think. The winner of the Elimination Chamber gets his challenge for the other title. Happy days. That'd be how I'd do it. I'd have Punk choose Rollins, and I'd be like, okay, number one contenders, Elimination Chamber, in Perth for the Universe title. And I'd have the Bloodline try and screw Cody out of it somehow. Like, start it again there, have Jimmy and Solo somehow get in the chamber and try and screw Rukodi out because Roman doesn't want to face him again or something like that. And do you, do Punk and Rhodes have a moment in the Rumble? Because they're, they're the only two confirmed entrants now. Do, 100%. Yeah? I've decided on who I want as my final four for the Rumble. Oh, go for it. I want Punk. I want Cody. I want Gunther. And I think I want Jey Uso. Yes. Or Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn can be around as well. I tell you what, I, want, I know Sammy's taking some time off, hasn't he? I don't know if we're going to speak about that. Of, I think he's just a bit tired. Well, it sounds like he struggled with a few things emotionally and mentally, potentially. So we hope he's okay and comes back. And glad they wrote him off with Drew doing it. And also, Drew is savage the way he just talks about it on Raw. Like, no message from Drew. If Sammy is comfortable and ready to come back in the Rumble, I really, really, really want a Kevin and Sammy face off in the Rumble. Now they're not teammates again. Like, they're mates still. Just have them fight. No one fights better than those two. I, I want us to go back to Vince McMahon's book at the Rumble. I want the final four to be Brock Lesnar, Snoop Dogg, Shane McMahon, Bad Bunny. That's what that's what I want. That's the way I want to do it. Um, one more thing on the punk of it all, and this is a little bit inside baseball. AEW's broadcast partners are Warner Brothers Discovery. If you believe the reports, WWE, who has found TV homes for their new deals for SmackDown and NXT and is still shopping around Monday Night Raw, has met with Warner Brothers Discovery about the potential of selling Monday Night Raw to Warner Brothers to put it on either TNT or TBS or some sort of streaming service. Now, this may not go anywhere, but if you are AEW and you wake up one morning and you see your TV partners are shopping around with your biggest competitors even if it's just an exploratory meeting that is squeaky bum time for tony khan yeah this isn't good because you read the reports which losers like us have online aw are not performing well on the telly at the moment now that doesn't mean it's a bad product i think aw i think dynamite is very good at the moment but for whatever reason people are tuning in they aren't watching so at the very best, they're going to get a worse TV deal when it comes to renegotiation. That's their best case scenario. Their worst case scenario, which seems like could be a real a real reality, is that the star you've just lost has introduced your biggest competitors. He has built bridges and opened the door for them to speak to Warner Brothers, who are your television partner. They may now drop you and all your shows to take your biggest partner, sorry, your biggest competition on as their wrestling show on their flagship show. On uh, taking Monday Night Raw, the biggest and most popular wrestling show in the history of wrestling. That is not good if you're AEW. And then 
more fingers are pointed and more questions are asked of Tony Khan of why you let CM Punk go because it seems without CM Punk making this introduction, it doesn't happen. You you will have to, if you're Warner Brothers Discovery, you will have to pay a hefty chunk of change more for WWE programming than you do for AEW. So Warner Brothers Discovery will have to shell out a bucket load more money for Raw than they do for all their AEW products. And that may not be something they want to do. However, we know or think we know that the person in charge of Warner Brothers television deal is a big CM Punk fan. That's what the speculation is. We know Punk has gone to WWE and supercharged their business. We know the rating for SmackDown was through the roof. So he's a draw, he's bringing money, he's bringing viewers, he's bringing eyeballs, and Dynamite has been pretty solid at about 850,000-ish, give or take, on Wednesday nights. It's a decision for Warner Brothers Discovery, and I think if you're AEW, you're thinking, how have we given them this decision to make? It's gonna, I mean, if you think this year's big, next year could be even bigger with all that up in the air. I've got this image of the Warner Brothers uh, owner or boss turning up to the meeting in a CM Punk t-shirt now. <laughs> also, talking about t-shirts, I've read a report that in the first night they moved six figures worth of CM Punk merchandise. That is, imagine selling over £100,000 or dollars worth of something in an evening. Like That is beyond fathomable. Well, also, imagine, I mean, this is what we forget a lot of it, that their plan cannot have been in September, it's CM Punk Seth Rollins. So if you're throwing out your plans for night one of WrestleMania, you've got to be convinced that this guy is going to be better than anything else you had on the docket. So it's not like they're just doing it because it's Punk. It's because Punk delivers and has delivered. And then mentally, sorry, I saw this week, his first match back is going to be a house show. Yeah, but the... the Spunk is that? Well, the speculation is that that's because it's in California, which is when the Warner Brothers executives are. Ah, uh, okay. And then they can pick pop a big number for the sales and they can do merch and it's all of it yeah and what a moment just a moment for that's me with Don Mysterio yes how how good like Don Mysterio I'm sure we'll talk about more next week got to be in the running for MVP of WWE this year he has been phenomenal all year yeah off the top of my head we'll talk about it next week I can't think of anyone who is going to be better if you can Charlie underscore Beckett Jack underscore Murley let's talk a little bit about some other bits and bobs on WWE programming before we do a bit of AEW and then we'll wrap it up Um, big match for Raw Day 1 Day 1 was a pay-per-view it's now a special Raw theme show we're getting Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre for the World Heavyweight Championship on the first Raw of 2024 that is a Big title match to give away. That's going to do numbers. Yeah, that's big. And it's going to be very, very interesting what happens when Drew loses because, good God, he's not he's not winning, is he? Like, Drew ain't winning. Come on, we're not going to do Drew pump. Like, that would be a spanner in the works um, because Drew's whole thing is that he's not had the shot he deserves. When he gets the shot and doesn't win, what do you do then? I actually think Drew McIntyre, from a storytelling perspective, is probably the most interesting superstar on WWE at the moment. Like, you can't afford to miss anything Drew's doing at the moment because it develops week on week hugely. And is that the moment that pushes him from heel, who everything he's saying has got some basis to it, to heel, who just is pure heel? Because if Drew is saying, I've never had a fair shot, you know, I've been screwed every step along the way, and he gets rolled up by Seth Rollins, you know, who knows what's happened there? Who Who's Drew's dance partner at WrestleMania? I mean, th- this card is going to be stacked. Really good question. The two, who's missing at the moment? Well, loads of miss, we don't know. You could, I don't think he goes back into the IC title picture after the match last year because I don't think you top that. Uh, Sheamus 
McIntyre Gunther was outstanding last year. You don't think you top that. Sammy, I could see. Then running that back in. Sammy coming back from injury and wanting vengeance on the man who injured him. Can absolutely see that. That off the top of my head is probably the best one. I could see him. I know he was on the wrong brand, but Kevin Owens, Drew and Kevin Owens would be very good together. But yeah, I think the obvious one is probably Sammy comes back and wants vengeance against the man who injured him. I could see Sammy coming back and tipping Drew out of the rumble. And then Drew gets enraged from that and they have a feud running up to WrestleMania from that. I think that could be good and would make sense. I think you've probably got enough time with that as well, if you wanted to. I mean, we have had gimmick matches on, on WrestleMania previously. I mean, if you want to throw in a cell match or a cage match or something like that, you could do it with Drew and Sami Zayn. Um, I just... If, you, if you're here for the AEW tour, I'm sorry at the moment, because WWE is so hot, and I just find myself thinking, there are going to be some mighty good talents left off the WrestleMania card. I don't think there's a place for AJ Styles this year. Well, I was about to say this. Bring back the multi-man ladder match, yeah, and make it for the US title. Yes, like I want to see multi. I love WrestleMania multi-man ladder matches to start the night. Through the early WrestleMania 30s were always exceptional. WrestleMania 32, go and watch the opening ladder match, the Intercontinental Title. Zack Ryder wins it in the end. There's a spoiler, but it is brilliant. Sami Zayn takes one of the worst bumps on a ladder I've ever seen. Kevin Owens almost kills him. I think for a second, does think he's murdered his best friend. But imagine if you could off literally off the top of my head, US title, Logan Paul, Bad Bunny, Ricochet, AJ Styles, someone like Big Bronson Reed. Nakamura. Uh, Nakamura. By the way, Nakamura's really good at the moment. Him and Cody Rose really enjoying that. Like you could easily get six to eight huge like all big stars, give them their mania moment and have a great ladder match. And also look after Logan Paul as US title winner, uh, US title holder without having to have him go one-on-one, -on -one, either beat someone credible or lose someone, you can protect him like that. I would absolutely go back to that format this year. I would I would agree with that, and, and I could even see them. I wouldn't do it, but I could see an argument where you do the US title ladder match on one night and one for the IC title on the next night. I wouldn't do it, but I can see it being something you can do. Um, flying under the radar, Nia Jax, her return to WWE has been interesting, and she looked big time with big time Bex in her promo uh, with Becky Lynch on Raw. I thought that was really good. And I thought Nia Jax, actually one of the few people who can stand toe to toe with Becky Lynch and seem credible in terms of star power. Yeah. And I like that they referenced back to the fact that Na uh, Nia Jax kind of did create the man when she concussed Becky Lynch in that SmackDown versus Raw stuff, didn't she? Completely by accident and unsafely. But also like another really heated promo and the Rollins-Lynch household woke up on Monday and chose violence, didn't they? They went, we are going to shoot in the hip tonight. That's what we're going to do. Um, they competed for the most visceral and hate-filled promo, didn't they? But very, very good. And yeah, now, it's tough, isn't it, returning alongside CM Punk? If you're returning in the same sort of time, unless you're R-Truth, who's just exceptional, it's hard. But I absolutely... Thought she was great. I'm not a huge Nia Jax fan. I'm not going to pretend I am, but I thought she did good work this week. I think she's doing really well. And, I, and what I like about WWE at the moment is we're blending uh, storyline and reality, but no one quite knows where that line is. We know it's there somewhere. No one's going into business for themselves. But I can, if you said, just just put your finger on where they've agreed and where it's uncomfortable, I'm not sure I could tell you. I would think this gets us to the Rumble, or possibly this is another big match for day one, because the Rumble is about six weeks away. That's going to be a good show, day one. Yeah, I think it is, and I like that they've been like, oh, Raw's on the first day of the year, let's just use that. 
also, like, I saw this the other day, someone online, like, never forget that Roman getting COVID at day one kind of caused all this. Like, it's mad, the butterfly effect of Roman. There's some great, go and look on Twitter X, whatever it's called. There are threads about this. People have done a lot more research than I would ever be able to. The butterfly effect of it and what it has caused is incredible. The Brock Lesnar didn't beat Roman Reigns at day one. He ended up winning the WWE title instead by accident. Well, here's, here's one. If Nia Jax doesn't break Becky Lynch's nose, do we get women headline WrestleMania? Probably not, because it doesn't get heated up the way it does. It, it's it's crazy. So there's so many butterfly effects. We know that Raw Day 1 is going to be a very good show. I think it's good we've got that, because it is quite a while until the Rumble still. We're talking about the Rumble. We're still, like you say, six weeks out from the Rumble. Uh, but I do like that we're trying to build that now and we're referencing that. And I like they've not bunged in another pay-per-view and rushed it. I like that it feels organic. Well, WWE's got a themed program coming up. AEW had their Winter is Coming edition of Dynamite this past week. Not perhaps as much on that theme as we've seen previously, but we got developments in the Devil storyline with Samoa Joe and Hangman Adam Page and the continuation of the Continental Classic. Like that they changed up the formula for Dynamite, started with a good talking segment, Samoa Joe and Hangman Page holding their own, both looking like badasses, which they are. Yeah, two of their biggest stars being presented as two of their biggest stars going toe to toe. It just works, isn't it? It's not, it's not a complicated formula. This one, you don't need to rewrite the book, reinvent the wheel. Just put two of your biggest stars out there, present them as big stars, and let them do what they're good at. Um, yeah. I thought it was really good. And Samoa Joe is in probably the twilight of his career. Probably got more years behind him than ahead of him. He's maximising his minutes. He, there's an argument that he might be uh, MJF's most interesting opponent possibly ever in AEW. I mean, that, that's a bold statement. I guess you put Punk and Adam Cole above him, but he's certainly in the top three. He is, and I just... It baffles me that we had MJF choke out Samoa Joe and then left it there. Like, I need I need that pick back up properly. Like, Samoa Joe should not be anything except livid that MJF choked him out. Like, that shouldn't be happening to Joe. So I really hope we go back to that because it just felt like we were at the start of a great story there and then we've moved away. I just want to come back to that. Let, let give me that again. I was like, I'm waiting. It's like the first series ended on a cliffhanger, and I'm waiting for the second series to start. Like, it's not dead. It's still there. Just pick it back up for me. Well, speaking of of things that you want follow up on, I I watched and then I rewatched, and unless I've missed it, and I may have done, I don't think we got any follow up on on Christian Cage against Adam Copeland. Now that was the biggest match they had. They did it in Montreal. Big angle to finish, and I didn't see head nor hide or, or, or anything afterwards. And I just, unless I've missed it, in which case, ignore everything I'm saying, that's negligent. How can you not follow up on that? Yeah, I didn't see it either. And again, I could have missed it. But I think between the two of us, I think if there'd been some, we probably would have caught it. Um, so that just seems odd. Like two of your biggest stars. Christian's probably your hottest thing at the moment. Like he's, I see him all over social media. He's in this run that's incredible. Adam Copeland is Adam Copeland. They've had a match last week. It had a botched, not botched ending, sorry. It had a gimmick ending that's going to carry on. Why are we not? What, we should be starting Dynamite with that. Like Adam Copeland should be out there demanding to know why that happened. And instead, they're both just sat at home, are they? Just, yeah, that things like that still baffle me. Like, you're a weekly episodic television show. I need to see weekly episodic storytelling. And if there's a big cliffhanger on EastEnders, they don't not pick it up the next day. Yeah, it'd be like if the pub exploded at the Queen Vic, and then you're like, wow, that's huge. Hang on. Hang on. 
Adam Copeland was at the premiere for Percy Jackson that he's in. Still, Christian Cage sitting at home with yeah. the family. Don't give me something. That's why I won't have been live because I saw, yeah, he's, uh, he's acting in Percy Jackson and the premiere was on. But do some vignettes or something. You, you just have to. And this plays into the fact that Tony Khan is a matchmaker. He's not a booker. He's just not. We're not getting the episodic storyline. And, and as evidenced by that, the Continental Classic, brilliant matches, great matches. And you know I love a tournament. But how do you feel about this one? I'm lost. I don't know. The st- I don't. When they win, I don't really understand if that's... Well, obviously it's good, but where's it put them? Like, I like that it's a different style of tournament than a knockout. Give it something different, but explain it better to me. Keep it more, more up to date. I just... Give me, like, your pinned thing on Instagram and Twitter should be the bracket and how people are doing an update. Like, I'm just a bit confused of where we're at. Like, and I like that we're trying to make the Continental title relevant again because... No, that's a new that, that's a new title. But isn't it the old All-Atlantic one? Haven't we just changed the name? They're going to they're gonna bring together... Well, and, and look, if, if we're a bit lost, but my understanding is you're bringing together the Ring of Honor title, uh, TV or, or, or pure title... Link. Some Ring of Honor title, some New Japan title, some AEW title, and then you're also going to have a new one called the Continental Classic title. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought we just renamed the um, the old All-Atlantic one, which was still the prettiest belt there's been for years. I know. Won it and we did nothing with it. I just, I just, this is what confuses me. You and I are above average wrestling consumers. And in looks. And, and in looks, yeah. We're, we're solid. Intelligence. Eight out of tens all round, I would yeah, say. Exactly. <laughs> I, Jesus, I'd take that. <laughs> Every way. I, I, want, look, I don't want to knock AEW. I'm going to give one thing that I think is great and then one thing, again, that I think is... If, that's the problem with AEW at the moment. It's two steps backward, one step forward. Wardlow, brilliant job rebuilding Wardlow. Yep, yep like it a lot. And it's it shouldn't be hard to rebuild him because look at him. Just look at him. He's a big, scary man. And they're treating him like that. Good, like it. And yet Kenny Omega promo for those tag belts was all over the shop what was that Kenny Omega's better than that like I have seen Kenny Omega do every promo he's ever done better than that now I'm gonna give AEW a pass on that and just say Kenny had a bad night yeah. like I'm not sure that's AEW's that's not Tony's fault you you took Kenny Omega out and say give us a promo you expect him better than that that's like you playing Cristiano Ronaldo and he plays badly like everyone has bad days in sport I feel like for whatever reason Kenny's had a bad day he has had a bad day I'm 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 of the view that they, they've never done enough to introduce Kenny Omega to, to the audience really to this audience but that's possibly for another day I also want to say in terms of being even handed WWE should have done better by Maxine Dupree yes I would agree with that Massively. Rhea Ripley did the best she could. I'm sure Maxine did the best she could, but that was not a ready-for-television match, and I, f- I felt very uncomfortable watching that at points. Yeah, because Maxine Dupree character work is excellent. She probably, for whatever reason, was not ready in that moment, so we shouldn't have put her there. I agree with that. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, actually. Also related to that, I love the Creed brothers. Oh, they're so me, aren't they? I was going to say, if someone said, build, build a good tag oh. team for Charlie... And I love their finishes, just Brutus off the top rope like a cannonball into you. Give me some of that. And all I want, all I want in life now is a two out of three falls match DIY versus the Creed Brothers for the titles. Like, oh, that's that could main event anything. 
I also think I, I don't know if they're going to do a let's call it takeover, even though it's not a takeover. Do they takeover? Do they do one the Friday before WrestleMania? They do. They do them now on the Friday, don't they? After the Hall of Fame ceremony, that's the one thing that doing two nights of WrestleMania has done. It's made it a very like push together Friday. I would be of the mind to do the takeover that's not the takeover the Saturday before. Yeah. I think if you're doing it as part of that weekend and you're not going to get everyone on the main card, I see your two out of three falls. What if we did something where we did DIY versus Imperium versus the Creed Brothers and we did some sort of tag team ladder match, triple threat, something? Yeah, yeah. Give it me, giving me like, they are very quietly and under the radar building a very, very good tag team division again in WWE now. It's very good again. Charlie, find me one thing they're not doing well in WWE at the moment. And we've criticised WWE enough over the years for people to know this isn't us being fanboys. Well, there's nothing wrong with being a fan. I, If I'm looking at WWE, the commentary's great, the production's great, the storytelling's great. Um, I don't feel my intelligence is insulted. I, I cannot fault what they're doing at the moment. I agree. I tell you, I would love to have a penny for the thoughts of other likes of Keith Lee, Malachi Black, Samoa Joe, Ember Moon, and Mercedes Monet, who all, at the time when they left, and we all thought that was the right thing for their career because they were being underutilized in WWE. Sasha Banks is the only one that was different. She left for different reasons, but the other four especially came up from NXT and Adam, throw Adam Cole in there as well. All came up from NXT, all weren't used properly on the main roster. The man who had them at the height of their career, like all of those people had the, the highlights of their career. For me, personally, on the world stage, where they had most popular, in NXT, run by Triple H. Triple H is now running the main roster. He's doing, it seems, everyone a service, basically. Very, we just spoke about Maxine Dupree. That's the first in a while that we thought that wasn't right, for whatever reason. Everyone seems to be dealt with correctly. Everyone's getting their time. You see how many segments there are, but it doesn't feel rushed. Everything is going well. And you just wonder if these guys are like, we left for the right reason. We definitely did, and I don't regret leaving because it was the right thing when they left. I reckon if you offered any of them a chance to come back now, they'd all take it. And I wonder what's going on with Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet, because, again, this is that butterfly effect. If she doesn't break her ankle, I suspect we saw her, see her all in and she's signed to a long-term AEW deal. I suspect. I don't know. Now, I don't know where she's put pen to paper, but if she's a free agent still, I bet WWE's looking pretty good to her. Could you imagine if her music hit the Rumble? But could you rule it out? Had a daydream, I'm going to make it. If that goes off, that would be huge. That would be, that would be, I think, the first proper surprise they've given us at a Women's Rumble, which is no fault of their own. They haven't had the time, the years, the history, all that. That would be huge. And I just wonder, those guys I just mentioned, the Malachi Blacks, the Samoa Joes, the Keith Lees of this world, Adam Cole, if their contracts are up soon, you just think they're people reaching back out to WWE and being like, we know Triple H loves these guys. We know Triple H knows how to make these guys feel valued and look valued and be presented as stars. Do you want to do it on the main roster? Because tell me all four of them couldn't slot back. Imagine you give me Gunther versus Keith Lee for the IC title. Like, tell me that doesn't get you excited. But it's such a cruel business because would we then be talking about the WWE roster being too bloated and too well, yeah, big? That, yeah, and that's the thing is because that's potential what AEW have done. They sign too many people too quickly and then can't use them properly. Now, WWE have five hours, six if you, seven if you include NXT. Plus a whole network. 
yeah, I'm sure they could manage. If I trust anyone to do it, it would be Triple H. But there has to come a limit somewhere of. But I just think that those people, those four men, I'm going to say this one is, and Ember Moon as well, because I think she's brilliant and she's doing some great work. No one's seeing it. No one's seeing it, guys. Those six, seven individuals, you can't tell me you don't think they would improve WWE right now. The roster's sensational WWE, but it would take it to another level. And it's, and it's so cyclical because we sat here talking about All Out when when we saw Danielson and Cole debut and then Punk's coming, you know, Punk was before that going, man, if you're in WWE, don't you go to the other side. Now, it's amazing how quickly it comes around. Right, let's wrap up with earning the position back to developmental, something from everyday life we love, something we hate. I suspect we're going to be similar on some of these today. First or second, Charlie, where do you want to go? I'll let you go first, sir. Okay, so my back to developmental, the death of Andre Bra, very, very sad, uh, better known as Raymond Holt in uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, among a whole other set of things very sad died at no age 61 i think um but my earning the push which is a slightly odd one off the back of it is going back and watching all his work because he got all his flowers before he passed away which is great he was already appreciated but man to have that body of work for people to go and look at and celebrate it is no consolation to his friends his family and he's still gone far too soon but what a character and, and what a legacy he left so that's short and sweet for me yeah and obviously i can i doubt any will be listening but if any of his family are listening obviously all i can do etc and it i don't know how it happened or what happened i think it's been released but it must have been a shock because i know a short illness i think they said because he'd been signed up to be lead in a new police drama for netflix and that i was very excited about seeing because he's brilliant he's so great and what I love is he plays so many serious parts. He's a Shakespearean classical actor. And then you put him in the stupid, silly world of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And please, if you haven't watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it is an absolute joy of a show. It is hilarious, but also hits all the right tones and all the important things. It's just, it's one of the all-time great TV shows, in my opinion, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I think Andre Bra is the highlight of it. I really, really do. Like, there's some great characters, but Captain Raymond Holt is one of the all-time great characters of comedy, but of television. And yeah, I'm, like you said, I'm glad that that was appreciated before he passed because all you had to do was log on to Twitter and see it. Everyone was saying it. He knew, he can't have moved for how highly rated he was. And one of my least favorite things is when people say those things about people after they've passed, like if you think these things about people, tell them because you don't know when you'll get the last chance to. So yeah, I agree that I'm so glad he got his flowers when he did. I'm gonna when this is done. I'm gonna go and watch another one of those compilations because there are there are bits you forget. So that's for me. What about you? Um, so that was gonna be part of mine, but we just went right there. My back developmental. I want to talk about it very quickly because I don't want to give it any airtime. But it's Joey Barton. Oh, this week, like for numerous reasons, Joey Barton, but especially this week, spouting some absolute misogynistic dross that is just so far off the mark. I don't think I've seen a single sane person agree with him. So I just want, and also he then comes out as like, people not actively disagreeing is agreeing. No, it's not Joey. We're just not giving you the time of day. So that, I'm not going to go into it. So Joey Barton can just go in the bin forever. You know what? If he stays there, I've got no problem with that. And normally Jack tells me off saying things like that, but he's nodding along because he agrees. I think think it's certainly fair comment to suggest that women are not capable of commentating or, or to suggest that the women who are doing it are somehow not qualified. I don't think that needs any balance at all. Yeah, so that is my back to developmental. And my earn the push is a series of books I've been reading 
called... Did you just uh, look at them now out of shot? Yeah, they're here. They're here. They're just <laughs> in my bookcase here. Okay. They're just here. Um, they're called Slough House Series. They are, they've are. they also been adapted. I haven't watched it because it's on Apple TV. I don't have Apple TV, but apparently it's excellent. Gary Oldman is the lead in a show called Slow Horses, because that's the name of them. It is a spy series. Uh, it's brilliant. There are eight. I have read the first five. I'm hoping for the next three for Christmas. Uh, they are sensational, and I love them. I love a action thriller book. These are a little bit more grounded and gritty spy books. And I, anyone who likes that sort of thing, uh, I recommend the huge. And also, I've everyone knows like the struggle I've had recently with things that happened. I've needed to escape a little bit from the real world. And the best way to do that for me is either watching wrestling or reading a book. And I like reading these books and pretending I'm in them. So really, really great books. Uh, they are excellent. And I've and if you prefer watching TV, I've heard the and you have Apple TV. I've actually heard that the television television series is sensational as well and gary oldman plays the main character jackson lamb and when i think of what i imagine jackson lamb is gary oldman is the perfect perfect casting for him so if you're a book fan check them out he's so good tinker taylor soldier spy he's amazing in that as well uh, look, so this is our, our last normal one of the year. Obviously, if there's anything massive happening in wrestling, we'll talk about it next week. But we're also going to talk about the year that has been. It is worth reiterating that this time uh, at the start of last year, Vince McMahon was still retired from WWE. The UFC WWE merger wasn't even on. CM Punk was in AEW and Sami Zayn was still with the bloodline. If that doesn't show what a 12 months has been, Charlie, nothing will. Wild beyond comprehension, but brilliant, I think wrestling is just in such a good place at the moment and it's getting more mainstream attention than I've seen for a long time and I think that's a great thing for it. And we'll wrap up the best of 2023 next week on Earning the Push. That is for next week. Until then, remember rate, review and subscribe wherever you get this pod. Thanks to each and every one of you who listens each and every week. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on the socials. I'm Jack underscore Merley. We are out of time. We'll see you next week for the best of 2023. Until then, enjoy your wrestling week and bye-bye. <laughs>